0: Box Cutters. Hello
1: and welcome to Box Cutters episode 348. It helps if you press the right button. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, Glenn Peters. Hello. To my right, Brett Cropley. And good evening, viewers. A lot of people now have cottoned on to the fact that Box Cutters is changing. This morning I received a text with just the words, No! That was it. That was it. I had to work out what that text was about. A friend of mine had heard that Box Cutters was was changing. And I'm like, what? No, no th- this, that's the wrong attitude. Mm-hmm. That's the wrong. This is yes, yes. Finally, finally, different people to talk about television.
0: It's it's going to be an experience as as stunning as Vegemite
2: 2.0. Let's hope it's better. <laughs> you mean Ice Snack
1: 2.0?
0: There and was never a 1.0 Ice Snack.
1: The, uh, the, the, <laughs> so it was I, I snack 2.0, and now it's just called Veggie Puss.
3: <laughs> uh, but it was originally called Vagina wasn't
1: it? No, no, no. You're, you're thinking about school time sandwiches. Okay. With penis butter. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 Coming up later on in this episode of Box Cutters, we are going to review the uh, TV show Marin, mm. uh, which uh, features Mark Marin. The review won't. The review. Oh, I mean, it might when we play back bits of the show. Generally, that's just going to feature us talking. Yep. That's my guess. This, what? this is eight like years of tradition we're talking <laughs> yeah. about here, Josh. Yeah. Why? Why mess with that? Why? Why bring someone in <laughs> to review their own show
3: now? Actually, actually Mark Maron would probably review his own show on his next podcast. Yeah, probably. I think he did,
0: actually. Just one of the changes to look forward to in the new box cutters.
1: You know why people like listening to box cutters so much? Because Mark Maron Maron isn't yelling at them during it. Uh, There is no video podcast and there will never be a video podcast. Yes, Josh. Never. (laughs) Uh, Because Glenn Peters is here, we have to talk about sport. We're going to talk about how TV has ruined sport.
3: Yes, but how sport could fix TV? Ooh, it's like a paradox.
1: We've got, uh, we've got one thing. We have Ben McKenzie back from the hospital minus some wisdom teeth and
2: wearing a hat. Yeah. Today I'm wearing a fez because it's about time. <laughs> it's about time you wore a fez,
1: yeah. or, or fezes generally are about
3: time.
2: No, it's well, you could argue both, I suppose, but I think it's about time I wore a fez. Personally,
3: it's fifteen points in Scrabble, fez. Thank you. Yeah, wow.
2: it
1: gives uh, it. It does give the the studio a bit of uh, that Rick's Cafe American ambiance. I have to say.
2: Well, I'm not playing it again, as always. Though we
1: are going to kick things off with the box cutters news. Brett, I haven't killed anyone in a while. No. And uh, I, I think we've never mentioned this actor ever on Box Cutters. Have we not? I don't think we have. I don't think we have. Dennis Farina uh, passed away last week. He was sixty-nine. You would have seen him playing a cop. In everything. Yeah, Mm. yeah. Once Brian Dennehy got too old to play cops, (laughs) Dennis Farina. Walked straight into that role. Brett, uh, where where do we know Dennis Farina from?
0: Uh, he's been in Law & Order, Police Story, the film's Midnight Run, and Get Shorty.
1: Last week, Google announced the release of a new product uh, that people were to plug into their HDMI socket in their television. Mm. It was called... Chromecast. Now... That is a terrible title, because it implies that it is a cast made of chrome. So, is it made out of plaster? So, then it's a plaster caster? Yeah. No. Oh. It's made out of plastic with, uh, I'm guessing, some kind of metal inside it for the oh, HDMI. Okay. But uh, what, it, what it does is it takes information, or it takes video that you have put into your Chrome browser... On your iPad or uh, tablet or laptop.
0: Or any any uh, client's application that uh, may be developed by developers. And uh, puts it on your TV. Which
3: sounds a lot like... There's this thing called Apple TV. You've had one for a while, Glenn. Yes, I've had one. Um, I kind of enjoy it. There's also a, a thing called Roku. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in, in in the US, you can buy a Roku box. And TV. I'm sure... Brett has one of those. Have you got one of those? WDT, oh, no. no Western Digital. I, yeah, Western Digital. Uh, my father has one. All oh, right, okay. Yeah. I think. Oh, well, you'll, you'll get you'll get it handed
1: down to you in
0: time. I just connect my computer directly to my TV. Yeah, yeah. With
1: Apple TV, you can just flick something from your. Uh,
3: There's a little little thing on the screen. If you're watching something on your phone, and you press it, and it suddenly it's on your Apple TV. Right. Playing. Which is virtually seamless,
1: and the, the Chromecast concept is similarly seamless,
3: but it only shows you video that's in your browser. But they've worked out the browser in the last how many months, surreptitiously, that you can actually drag a, any sort of video into a uh, browser window, and then all of a sudden it's playing, so it's become a v- media player. Right, and you can
1: you can do that on everything... But but not not on tablets. No, like you might be able to do it on Android tablets. You can't do it on an iPad. Correct. This is a thirty-five dollar item in the US. Incredibly cheap for something that is that is that much technology.
3: The real reason why people were excited about Chromecast. So far, it's the cheapest and quickest way to put your pirated stuff on your TV. That's that's the elephant in the room.
1: One of you said. Most people you know don't even know what browser they're. That was
2: me, and that that comes partly from my experience working in IT support, but also, you know, your average. the, The reason why Internet Explorer still has a massive wedge of the internet traffic that it does is because people get it with Windows a lot of people most people using Windows on their home computer they don't care or know what browser they're using they just click on a thing and they look at the internet and I mean people are becoming more savvy and probably a larger percentage of people now know what browser they're using but I don't think most people care and to have a product that requires you to switch to a different web browser which means you've got to figure out how to transfer all your bookmarks and, and all that kind of stuff if you're going to use it all the time or to just install a second one and remember that oh, yeah, I can watch anything in my web browser on the TV as long as it's Chrome, the browser, and not Internet Explorer or Safari or Firefox or whatever other browser you might be using. I think that's a little bit of a barrier. So uh, then what we said in the conversation was we think this is really aimed at, at tech nerds. Like they're talking about how simple it is, but it does have some requirements before it's simple.
1: And so so those those are barriers to entry. And then, Glenn, your, your point was... Well, if it's aimed at technos then it's aimed at pirates. Correct. Yeah. There
0: was a comment on the, uh, the Register article about, uh, about Chromecast uh, saying that this is actually a device that you have to be logged in with your Google ID. So the MPAA is actually going to love it. They'll know what you're watching. And if it comes to a time when, when they get their shit together with Google, they can have Google shutting down your Chromecast because you're watching pirated material.
3: But will that ever happen? Yes. It, uh, and it might
2: not I mean it, it's it's already been exploited. There's already a hack for it to get around the software that's built into it, which by the way is apparently not based on Google's Chrome OS, so why they called it Chromecast is anybody's guess. Because they're calling everything Chrome now. Nobody yeah. knows what that is. Like n- we know because we're nerds in this room. We all know what browser we are using probably most of us are using Chrome, but you know, we, who who
1: cares? Is
3: isn't Apple TV too difficult for a regular person to use. Okay. I've got Apple TV and I've got friends with Apple TV who are... Sh- um, they are shit house at technology. Uh-huh. And they're dealing with their Apple TV okay.
1: Okay.
2: I mean, they both work... In some ways, they work similarly. Because you said earlier... I was going to save this for the end, but we'll say it now. Um, you said earlier that, you know, in AirPlay, you've got the little AirPlay button and you press it and you can say, stream this to my Apple TV. And if you've got three of them in the house plugged into different TVs, you can say which one... The Chromecast actually does have that same functionality, but at the moment you can only get it on a very small number of apps on your Android phone. So you can do it in YouTube for Android, you can do it in the Netflix app for Android has has got it in there too, I think. And they've promised that there will be more, but whether you'll ever be able to use that for anything other than Chromecast is a consideration because AirPlay also works. Like if you, you can get a whole bunch of third-party devices to stream your audio and, and video
3: through those. And, and really well. Like if you've got uh, Apple TV and your, your phone or your iPad, um, using the iView and the SBS apps is fantastic together. Yeah. They really work well. They stream from your phone onto there. So it all works well. Um, Apple can do one thing. They say AirPlay where you can you can play whatever is on your laptop on your main TV, but that's incorrect. You can't watch something in your browser on your main TV. They know they can do it. All they have to do is put the box in there and make it a function. Yep. But that's all of a sudden, once they do that, I can watch my YouTube or whatever from my browser on the Apple TV is the moment I'm using hole or unblocker and all of a sudden... The whole the fl- world has opened the up The floodgates have opened. Now, Apple TV know they they can do that, and it, they could do it overnight if they wanted to kill Chromecast by you know doing that. Uh, also, there's not many apps in the Apple TV environment. Apple TV has an operating system, um, and it'll be exciting to see when Apple TV open up that API or whatever it is. For developers to work in that environment, it's going to happen. They've just been delaying it for some but reason or other. How many
0: years has Apple TV been around? For? Four years now, I think. Yeah, because that's third generation that they one. Just refuse to do that until well, there's. I think else it's also they want to kill.
2: I think. Well, I don't think it's that. I think partly it's the interface. Like, I don't think they've worked out how they want that interface to work. Because at the moment, you get the tiny little remote control, um, or you can use your your Apple phone. Um, to remote control it with an app And that's fine But you don't want to always have your phone on you To, to turn it on And you, you can in fact You can't turn it on with the phone You have to turn it on with the remote So I think they're looking at fixing that Like so the next generation Apple TV Will probably have a much cooler remote that, Or at least a much more functional remote for things But you can already use it in some ways That the Chromecast can't be used And, and other similar ones Like you can do dual screen gaming On your iPhone with some games You can stream... Um, the game onto the screen and have controls on your phone it's, ah. and it does that like um uh the is it called the incident uh it's a, it's a very it's a great little pixely jumping game you can do that um and a few others do it as well so there's there's a few things that it can do and there's some talk that uh with the next upgrade to OSX you'll also be able to do more with the screen um uh streaming than you can now. So, at the moment, you can stream the whole screen from your Mac laptop onto your TV with an Apple TV, but they're going to make that a bit more versatile, so you can do just a single window or for,
1: stuff like that. For, for someone who has their computer just plugged directly into their television, is any of this attractive to you?
0: Uh, Not really, no.
1: no. And that... Is the Box Cutters News.
3: Hi, this is Genevieve Lemon,
1: and you are listening to Box Cutters, you lucky, lucky people. I'm Marin, that's my last name, but I'm Mark Marin. I live here alone with Monkey, Boomer, and Lafonda. They're cats. I had a wife, two actually, but they're gone. They're no longer with me. They're not dead. Well, they're dead to me. Well, actually, I'm dead to one. The other one I could probably get back. I have a mother who lives in uh, Florida. I have a brother who lives in Arizona. I have a lunatic bipolar father. I don't know where he is, and that's a blessing. His name is Larry. Why are you telling me this? Why am I getting mail from my dad? Do you want me to explain the U.S. Postal Service to you? From the DMV. Can I open it? It's a federal crime, and I'd have to report you. Mark Maron is a comedian from the west coast of the United States. He started his own podcast a while back called WTF with Mark Maron. It became very popular because he was interviewing uh, comedians, got some really uh, big names. Uh, He himself had uh, had come up and he's about 51. He's been uh, in, in the comedy game for a while. But the popularity of that podcast has led to him having his own TV show on IFC, the uh, the cable channel in the US that brought us Portlandia. And uh, this is a, a show about him living his life, doing his podcast, and basically finding out who he is as a person through doing uh, the, the podcast and dealing with a whole bunch of men. And uh, he uh, he has uh, he has his friends drop in, so he's got a lot of guests uh, coming onto the TV show, uh, pretending to be a part of the podcast, or just comedian friends who who drop around his house. The thing about Mark Maron as a, a as a person in this show is he is. Not a very likable character he uh, often tries to find the easy way out. He will chicken out of certain situations uh, like for instance in in episode two, he needs to get a dead possum out from under his house and he cannot man up to to do this job on his own he He's a a weak person who hates confrontation but doesn't mind yelling. And uh, it it makes it very difficult to love him as a character. Uh, that that being said, I, I think the the show is is set up to show his journey as a, a human being from uh, selfish, self involved comedian to uh, loved, selfish, self involved comedian. I'm not a big fan of of the show. I I, I like Mark Maron's stand up. I, I saw him do stand up when he came to uh, when he came to Australia. I thought he was very funny. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the uh, of the podcast, mostly because he is very yelly uh, when he's not speaking to a guest. He yells into the microphone, tells people what to do, uh, which in a sense is him telling himself what to do. It's a it's a lot of uh, soliloquy. Uh, his his podcast, and you get bits of that in in this TV show, but uh, all in all, I, I found it very very difficult to like. Brett, I'm guessing that you loved the shit out of this.
0: Mm, I wouldn't say I loved the shit out of it. it. It was it's like a Curb Your Enthusiasm for me, but with uh, a, lo- a lot less neurosis and probably more of a likable main character.
1: Well, yeah, that's not saying much though. Curb Your Enthusiasm uh, is is created around horrible characters.
0: Mm, mm. Um, did you watch the, the entire season?
1: I watched episodes one, two, three, parts of eight and episode 10. So I, I wanted to see if there was growth in... And how much growth there was with the character throughout the throughout the series.
0: There is definitely growth, and they they bring in new ongoing characters. So they've got Judd Hirsch, Hirsch playing his father, who turns up one day and and parks his camper van out the front of his house. Um, there is a there is a very antagonistic relationship between the two of them, um, but uh, that that leads to some interesting stuff. It's it's not an out and out comedy by any means,
1: or a
0: comedy uh, it is somewhat of a comedy
1: there's there was there was one one tiny bit that that made me laugh but uh not even laugh sorry smile uh but I, it it's a it's a very it's it's a very depressing show uh i think to to look at this guy who just is completely lost in life and and then and then and it is filled with not very good actors comedians who are not very good at at acting uh, very bad at even being themselves. Yeah, I think Dave Foley and was great. Yeah, but in that Dave, opening episode. Da- Dave, Fo- Dave Foley was was great, uh, but I'm not he, sure I
0: would call him great. But, but he was
1: interesting. Yeah. But he was uh, no so Dave Foley was fun, uh, but he was Dave Foley, and yeah. and then Judd Hirsch comes in, and. Yeah just acts the pants off anybody else on screen. And it just feels... Who's Judd so Hirsch? Judd Hirsch plays, uh, plays his father. Oh, yes. And is... Uh, used to be on a, a... A lot of listeners might know him from a show called Dear John, which he did... Uh, oh, I was terrible. I, was, I liked it. Uh, he uh, was also the father in Numbers. He was the father in Numbers. He was uh, in Taxi. Uh, he was in 100 Centre
3: Street. Uh it's an excellent uh, an excellent series. It's one of my favourite shows, one hundred centers. It's that's great. Um so for me the show want. Okay. I hate coming into a reviewing a show and saying, I wanted to like this. <laughs> I, I I like it when you say it exactly like that though. <laughs> I wanted to like this. Um Robin Leach. <laughs> so but I did. One of my weaknesses is coming into a show with a preconception uh, yep. of a show and going, oh, I'm going to hate this. Because I've got this massive love-hate relationship with his podcast. Now, I thought that this show, if it was like his podcast, um, the intro the, for this sitcom would go for uh, 15 minutes and you'd only have <laughs> seven minutes for the plot. Um, it's a bit like that, his podcast. But, you know, he's he's got a really patchy... Podcast. Every now and then he can do a fabulous interview, and then you have to sit through twelve awful pieces of dirge. And I think in this show you've got every now and then a good line, and then dirge for an episode, two episodes in a row. And it, the fundamental problem with is, is not him per se. Well, he's a dipshit in this show, and no. And as as my wife said, I don't want to sit in my lounge room with this shit. <laughs> turn it's, it, it, it it's off an
1: ex, it's an excellent point
3: and do you want him in your room well you know from what dipshit so I, I'll put on the footy show or watch Embarrassing Bodies you know so that's the problem but the fundamental problem with this is it really has only one character and a good sitcom plays with Three or four characters and their strengths and weaknesses, their loves and their fears throughout the series. Now, with this you have one character with who is quite a one-dimensional character who has a fear of commitment and um, that's about all. Does he? Does he have? A, oh, whatever. He, it's, he's, it's, he's angry about his previous. Oh, yeah, well,
0: he's angry. He whatever. Has,
3: there is no conflict in this show well the, the the problem is that it's the same issue he's just got to go through it and I have a problem with a show like this or any cultural thing that is just so hawking down at you about their problems um you know there's no again no brevity that's what theme that people have come to know me over there's no brevity there's no light brush strokes there's no moment where he just sits and you all get to think about what's going through his mind no because it's all out for you and you know i couldn't give a rat's ass about his problems if he if he was my mate i'd tell him to piss off ages ago um you know homeless people on the heroin don't carry on like he does i mean get a fucking grip <laughs> Um, so, uh, did you like it? I, I can't. Well, I kind of enjoyed some bits, <laughs> but the problem is that was sort of appealed to me. That you know, the um, you know, if you have a podcast, you can have Gina Gershwin jumping on you. So that's, I don't know. But one of his themes in his podcast and this show is his relationship with the listener, mm-hmm. and you're supposed to know everything about him as a person through his podcast, through him. So. You're learning about him and he sometimes in his podcast talks about his bad relationship with his dad. Well, that's a bit lazy. And that, you know, we, we're we supposed to um, watch the show because him and his dad don't speak to each other now after this show's been made. Give me a break. You know, like, does everything... A really bad novelist writes his first three novels about himself, and then the fourth one he might, if it ever gets published, is about other people.
0: That's what producer Easton Ellis did.
3: So what? It's just yapping about himself and not other people. It's just it's so self-referential. It's it's, it's boring. So,
1: it's it is self-involved and self-aggrandizing because he makes himself out to be this kind of hero because he pulled himself up by doing a podcast. Uh, and I I don't know I don't know if he did I, you know I, he's he's making a living out of uh, out of having a podcast and he gets to uh, tour uh, and and play more gigs now because people know him because of the podcast but I just went, like we him do
0: Austin when he uh, had Jeffrey Tambor on at the uh, live recording there uh,
1: but uh, but it's but but he the the podcast became popular because of the people he had on it. And I don't know if this show uh, puts into perspective how much he relies on community to uh, to to actually help him. It doesn't actually put forward much at all, and and I think it's because there is this is a show about a man avoiding conflict wherever he can find it, and you don't make good storytelling through the avoidance of conflict unless. Unless you're avoiding it to the extent where that itself becomes the conflict, and it's not clever enough to show us uh,
3: to, to show us all of the subtext.
1: I don't even think even think there
3: is subtext in this show, and that's the problem, isn't it? It's just someone squawking about their problems to you, and you know, if I wanted that, I don't know what I just don't want that. This it feels lazy
1: to me, and his podcast feels lazy to me as well. And I mean I I'm not one to talk. I mean we've we've done some pretty lazy episodes, Brett. You and I? Yeah. When?
3: So <laughs> what time is it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh so yeah, I didn't I didn't like the show. I kept watching it, trying to work out what was going to happen. Can we talk about how hateful it is towards women?
3: Oh yeah. He doesn't like women much. No. Doesn't he? No.
1: Have you have you seen have you seen, so the women in the show, uh, his mother.
3: Who is terrific, by the way. Sally what? Kellerman.
1: Yeah, Sally Kellerman, who was the original Hot Libs yeah, in the film. Fabulous. Excellent as the mother, but again, acting him off the screen. Sally Kellerman. And J- I want to see the Sally Kellerman, Judd Hirsch
3: show. Actually, that's like a two or three minute scene. That's all that's worth watching in this whole series of Marin. Is the Sally Kellerman, and it, I think it opens the series. It,
1: uh, and and episode two. Yep. Yeah. So. so that's so yeah. Sally Kellerman's great. Judd Hirsch is great. If there was a show of Sally Kellerman and Judd Jud Hirsch, I would I'd I'd watch that. You don't think <laughs> this is hateful to, towards women,
0: Pratt? I think he's got issues, but I don't I don't think it's written to be hateful towards them.
1: I don't think it's written to be hateful. I think it's written. And subsequently, is and it, hateful.
3: Yeah. It, it just feels so horrible. Um, another thing that we're going to have with this is that I've got a feeling a few of our listeners will enjoy this show because they really enjoy the podcast. Because Josh and I, I think we're dissenters because a lot of people really love this podcast. So they're yeah, going it's, to give popular. this show quite a quite a chance.
1: Yeah, and when you're watching it and enjoying it, think about
0: why we didn't like it. It's been renewed for a second season. I know. I won't be watching that. I won't have to. They're the box cutters. Apparently no article, although they are the genuine article. Hmm. My name's Frank Woodley, and I listened to them today. There
1: is a, a new thing in, in cricket, Brett. I'm not sure if you're aware. It's called DRS. And Decision
0: uh, Review System? Correct.
1: I've, I've heard no, about it. Have I haven't.
0: I, I, I don't watch cricket. I don't like
1: cricket. Uh, yes, it, it's the de- decision review system, uh, which uses the video uh, recording of, uh, of of the game to play it back. And
0: Didn't we used to have, haven't we had for some time a third umpire? We
1: have had a third umpire, but the uh, DRS allows uh, players to request going to, to the videotape, uh, as opposed to the third umpire, which was only a, a result of an umpire being unsure
3: about a decision. Um, but this is almost like decided upon before each series, which rules. It's a bit like you know boxing, you know, <laughs> like what sort of rules are you got to have. So yep. uh, the DRS system is you know between a few countries th- in this way, or if you are playing against India, there's none of it. So um, this has changed cricket, but this isn't an overnight oh, I thing. Didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that uh, it, it, it's it's not an ICC rule. It's it's most of the ICC, except for most of the subcontinent. Right. So yeah, it's it's not a new thing, though. No, it's not. Uh, I can tell you exactly how long this has been going on. So so we've had
1: uh, when uh, uh, Ray Punja was uh, was in, he spoke to us about how he was the first person in uh, in Australia to do uh, slow mo action replay. Slow mo action replay uh, for the boxing.
0: Boxing or wrestling? Uh,
1: Oh, could have been wrestling. It was wrestling. Uh, It was some mano a mano uh, sport, Uh, and that was uh, that. That was way back when. But Glenn, give us your
3: uh, your brief history of uh, of TV revisionism. (laughs) So, um, Channel Nine, and as it's found, Channel Nine and Channel Four have been working. Channel Four in England have been working since like the late eighties to prove umpires wrong. Yep. Now the the reason you do this is because you've got a long day of cricket and controversy is terrific just for those quiet times of the of the telecast. And there are some very difficult calls that
1: umpires have to make.
3: But that's okay, you know, that's what they're there for. So in the mid nineties they invented a SNICO. SNC. Snick-ometer. snickometer, which is just a thing that slows down the video and you can see a waveform of when the ball hits the bat. So it slows down the audio. Slows down the audio. Audio and the video. So it matches audio and video. So you got a little bit of a blip. That was in the mid-90s. And there was Hawkeye in 2001 and Hotspot. So So
1: Hawkeye is, uh, for an LBW call, would the ball go... And hit the stumps. And hit the stumps.
3: Now that was uh, sort of invented by this crazy laboratory in England. And the technology... Curiously, was bought by Wisden, who ran cricket the cricket rules for many years,
1: right? And and who put out an almanac and, of, yeah, of cricket, exactly.
3: Every year. Um, and then you've got Hotspot, which is a infrared thing, um, which came in two thousand and six. But the thing is, and so and so Hotspot can tell you where the ball hit based on the heat on of the that. Heat. So these these three things, and there's another thing, a line down the middle, which I can't remember which shows where the ball pitches. Now, these are things that Channel 9 have been working on for many years. And if you watch the cricket through the 90s and the early 2000s, because they had the technology, which wasn't perfected, and we know it's not perfected now, but they thought it was proof that the umpires were wrong. Mm -hmm. And they would keep replaying and replaying a dodgy decision for 15, 20 minutes or even the rest of the session now the idea of cricket the man in white is always right sort of slowly jumped out the window slowly edged his way out the window no, but we have we have dodgy we have dodgy decisions in in other sports we have dodgy
1: decisions in in boxing we have dodgy decisions in football we have dodgy decisions in baseball
3: and basketball okay so what happened was this technology got Fairly good. Quite good. And other other sports codes are ad- adapting to their, their technology. So Hawkeye is used in tennis now. Mm-hmm. and for, for fault
1: lines. Fault and, lines. And,
3: yep. and there's a video replay happened in AFL football for the last two years, which is quite hilarious. Because they do a slow motion video, which is shot on standard definition <sighs> telecast with a GoPro camera. No. Yes, a GoPro, a two hundred dollar camera wired up to a goalpost in standard definition, and that that's you know, still got your twenty two frames per second. It's not slow. So often in in a slow motion replay, because you've only got that twenty-two frames, the ball's disappeared for a frame because it's it just can't be seen because of the frame. So but the idiots in sport who are not—they um, don't get the get the wider re- ramifications of this.
1: So when, when you say when you say idiots, are you talking about the the bureaucrats? Are you
3: talking about the fans? Are you talking about the TV producers, the commentators? I'm going to put them in a big bag called the idiots. Okay. <laughs> um, who say we need an exact decision because it might happen in a insert grand final ashes. Now, so there's this sort of myth of the perfect decision, which means throughout the rest of the game, of things that cannot be decided by a video, crowds now think that there's a perfect right and wrong answer for everything that happens around a sporting field. And this is all through cameras and TV telecasts have done this. Now, what's happened to the AFL Football... Crowds about football now are angrier than they've ever been, not at each other, not about racism, but just at the umpires. And it's given sport a really sour taste. And it culminates in the DRS happening in cricket where there'll be a bad decision and someone doesn't um, volunteer to go out. And I can crap on about it from 2 o'clock to 6 o'clock in the morning on Twitter. I get sucked in. We all get sucked in. And we forget about the what happens in sport is when you go out for people to have fun together. Yep. That's what sport is: people having fun together. It hasn't been about
0: fun for for thirty years almost. It's but never, it's, it's about money. But it's it's taking
1: it's taking even more fun out. And and cricket was kind of the last bastion of that. It was it was the holdout. It was where uh, like when when people went to India to play for money, that left a bad taste in cricket fans' mouths. Whereas the rest of the world, the rest of the sporting world, had gone towards had gone towards money. Cricket had weren't well, one day tests. Well, cricket had more money coming into it, but was never as much about about the money. And when you start, and when you start dealing with money, you start dealing with who is right and who is wrong, and was it a good call or was it a bad call? And the uh, and, and I, I like I like that you talk about Glenn that the uh, that it it has to do with cricket being largely a, a boring game, because the commentators need to be able to fill with, with colour. In baseball, which is also a boring game, the commentators can fill with colour based on each individual pitch and talk about the the way the pitch was used and, uh, and the way a batsman might try to defend against it or, or whatever, but...
0: Also, there's there's uh, so much that goes into stats in baseball that that you don't really get in cricket.
3: Oh no, the stats are there for cricket, um, but you, you haven't. But it's a, it's watched a lot more. You, You're and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, the cricket stats is a, is sort of different issue, I think. But the 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 massive money in this uh, for TV telecasts. So now. In 2002 to 2006, Channel 9 bought the AFL rights for $500 million Australian dollars. Think about that for a second. Because it was really important for A, Channel 9 to have the football, and B, Kerry Packer to win. Yep. So... To win, or else destroy the other guys because I'll have to bid, bid too much. Correct.
1: And, so that he did that the next uh, time. And in that, and in that same, in that same time period, you could have bought Channel Ten for less money.
3: Yes. So the the sport, they're they're doing a just for a small rights of Championship League in. Um, Europe for soccer and it's the bidding's up to about 770 million for 16 games. So so Just, how
1: how is how is sport making television better?
3: Glenn? Well, because unfortunately or fortunately, it's the only thing people are watching. Because it's live, you can rely on it to be live. So you can either rely on sport to be live or reality TV to be live. You you cannot watch the reality, oh, sorry, not reality TV. That's an inexact phrase. You can't watch a talent show the next day if you know whoever who won. Yep. So same,
1: the, so same same with same with sport, but if TV is making sport worse, aren't they cutting off their nose to spite their face?
3: They I, don't I think, understand that.
1: Right, but eventually it's going to turn people off TV sport and push them back to like the VFL leagues or the or the uh, the local
3: cricket. Uh... Well, speaking to people in Europe recently, they have sort of gone to their smaller clubs, knowing that only five people, five teams can win their national championship. Mm-hmm. So um, they have gone to local things. Um, all this money and all this winning and getting the ratings at all costs, at the moment we have a, another controversy happening in Australian football where coaches are being represented by QCs and head lobbyists of political parties in in media relations wars. Now, sport's not supposed to be like that. I know our hearts broke back in the 80s when the America's Cup went to... A, one of the races went to court on appeal, but it's out of control now. So it has killed the sport that I know and I love. So I, I now like my local cricket that I play and my local football more than the main football. Yep. Um, but it's not gonna happen that way because sport is going to be the thing that keeps us watching TV.
1: I remember uh, I remember an old ad for a, a television, Brett, you might have this on one of your tapes in the, in, in the vault, uh where uh two, two mates are sitting down to watch some rugby, but the the whole rugby game is just two robot it is uh, two teams made up of robots. Right. Uh it was supposed to be some kind of futuristic television. That uh, that it was advertising. The way you're talking, Glenn, it sounds like that's the way TV is going. It is like that.
3: It's 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 well, quite TV and sport are going. TV and sport ago. It's quite innocent beginnings because in 1979, an ad agency in Melbourne got together with a songwriter, and they to publicise Channel Seven Sport wrote a song called Up There, Kazali, which is now probably one of Australia's most famous anthems. Ever written, so, so that was for TV. And
1: same, same with uh, for cricket. Come on, Aussie, come on, uh, which was then bought by a foreign company. Uh, but uh, up there, Cazalie, uh written by Mike Brady, uh,
3: for and for two sevens. But these were the innocent, innocent beginnings to what we have now, which is just this behemoth, which doesn't bode well for. Any sort of interest of anything in the future. But then again, we're all talking about it now.
1: If you watch one thing. If I was going to watch one thing this week, it would be Dirty Laundry Live. It's so good oh. now. It's oh, really? so much fun. Yeah. Lawrence Mooney is doing great work hosting. Uh, Hosting Dirty Laundry live. Has it become funnier? It is a pleasure to watch. It is a, a true pleasure to watch. I look forward to it. Right. Uh, it is Thursday nights, I believe, nine thirty on ABC Two. But I, I just I haven't have set up on my IQ to I mean, to come
0: down. I found it a little bit
1: overreaching. Oh, it's, it's better. It's better now. Better guests. It's, it's found. It's found. It's it's found its way. It has Goes regular guests. Marty Sheargold Goldwin. He is on. Just so much fun. I think because he's a, he's allowed to be naughty. I, I think it's taken away that uh, horrible censorship that Australians have of themselves. Uh, I, I was explaining this to, to a friend of mine the other day who said, Australians are so funny in person, why can't they be funny on radio or, or on TV? It's because we have this self-censorship because in regular conversation... Right, Glenn, I could call you a cunt, no problem at all in regular conversation and it would have some kind of humorous uh, con- connotation or I would just be really angry with you, right? Yes. In TV, you can't do that. You can't go that extra bit to to be uh, offensively funny. And Glenn, I, think,
3: you... I think uh, Lawrence Mooney is really hitting some stride. He's been really bloody funny the last year yeah. or so. There's, I don't know... It, He's always been good, but right now, something's happened. Glenn, if you're going to watch one thing this week, what would it be? Controversially, I'd watch The Newsroom. <laughs> really? Really, because i found that I
1: enjoy The Newsroom more if I think there's going to be a Cloverfield attack any minute.
3: Look, I saw the first episode, and it wasn't awful. I didn't want to kill myself. There were some little bits in there that were a bit, oh, 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 ow. But, you know... I think it's moved around. It's changed. I think they it's listened to our special episode and took stock. Brett, if you're going to watch one thing
1: this week, what would it be? Oh, Brett put oh. the newsroom in uh, in the in the
3: notes, and it's the first time he hasn't but, got two things. But
1: <laughs> to be to be fair to to be fair to Glenn, you hadn't put that in before had, we started I the had, show.
3: I had not. Why neither, would you watch it, Brett? The
0: agenda under John's name um, because I, I was a fan all the way through the first season I'm re-watching the first season with my housemate uh, at the same time as keeping up uh, week to week with the new episodes alright it was actually it's really interesting watching that first season because of um, uh, what, what has happened since with Snowden and uh, uh, releasing his, his leaks his whistleblowing um, and, and that was basically a story from the out of the first season of the newsroom
3: don't care. The men are still in control, though, Jack. Josh. Don't care. I hate it. It's, it's, attack it by a big monster.
1: <laughs> oh, it's Cloverfield. It feels going to attack. Mackenzie, mm, like yes. A fez, yes. you know, a fez has a little. Uh, a, I, I, I like, I like the fez because it's. It seems it seems serious with the with the red kind of velvety, uh, but then it has a jaunty little string on top, a tassel, mm. a tassel. Yeah.
2: The tassel is optional; not all fezes have a okay. tassel, but it is not optional to wear a fez at a jaunty angle.
0: Oh it's not optional, so it's it's compulsory to it's compulsory have it at a compulsory to have jaunty. it at a
2: jaunty angle, and a jaunty angle is defined as one uh that is greater than three degrees but less than seventeen degrees.
1: I well, think Mr C you, was
0: breaking that rule.
1: If you uh if you tug on the uh if you if you tug on the tassel
2: it comes off. And underneath are some facts. Great <laughs> Some facts. Uh first some facts about Dennis Freena. Um he was indeed in luck. He played Gus Demetrio, uh, Dustin Hoffman's characters, longtime friend and driver, the one who owned the racehorse that yes. set off the whole thing at the start. Um, he was in a lot of television shows, some ones we didn't mention earlier Crime Story from the uh, mid course. to late 80s, In Laws from the early 2000s, uh, and he was in Law and Order for three years, from 2004 to 2006. He's been in countless television movies well they're not countless i could have counted them but it wasn't a very interesting number my favorite role of his in film was in snatch where he played the diamond merchant cousin arvie uh, who <laughs> utters the famous line when he's leaving do you have anything to declare and he says yeah don't go to england so his last television appearance uh, he was in two episodes of new girl this year um his last film was the unfortunately titled lucky stiff which is an adaptation of a Broadway musical farce about a man who goes to claim the uh, inheritance from his uncle. Uh, He was playing a character named Luigi, who is described in the Broadway musical version as a mysterious Italian. (laughs) (laughs) So not far, because if you look at this list of characters, basically it's all cops and mob bosses. Um, he knew what he was good at And he did a good job at it And I, I certainly have fond memories of him From a lot of the shows I've seen him in so many Great actor. Television films And yeah, it's great um, Now we also talked about Chromecast uh, we, I, I'll mention this now and It may or may not be cut out From the earlier bit um, It's called Chromecast But the operating system on it According to people who have cracked it open uh, And fiddled with it Is not actually based on Chrome It is a variant of the same operating system Used in the Google TV which mm-hmm. is a variant of Android of some description. Um, so not, again, why they call it Chrome Cast when it's not running Chrome. Who knows? Because um, it's, it's
0: cast from Chrome.
2: It Cast from. Uh, you could cast your Chrome at your TV and destroy it in much the same maybe way. Maybe you can
3: inhale it.
2: Oh, maybe you can. Maybe it's addictive. Uh, maybe it destroys lives and ruins families I don't know we'll find out Um, the power port is actually a USB plug so if your TV has a USB port next to the HDMI port you can plug it in there but if you don't have a USB port in your TV you do need to plug it into the wall so it might not have to plug into the wall if you've got a USB port that's worth mentioning
0: a bit (laughs) (laughs) it's it's great I won't have to run a a cable to the wall from my now, I,
2: this is controversial because this isn't really a fact about Marin, but it is an opinion. I looked it up because uh, I haven't watched it, I have to say. But when I found out that the first episode revolves entirely around him confronting an internet troll who turns out to be an uber nerd who plays Dungeons & Dragons, I was like, well, you've turned me and all my friends off watching your show, Mark Marin. And I, and I maybe he turns it around and you guys might know. But reading this, even the description, and the, and the, the nerd in question is played by the same guy who plays... Um, uh, gareth in um in community and and i'm like well on community gareth is you know everybody loves garen like he he gets picked on but he's always there's something about him that you you just you see him as sweet and lovable and great yep he's not portrayed as this sort of awful nerd character so and i and i just wanted to say that the thing that strikes me as weird about this is of course with wtf he's got a massive nerd audience following so he must know about this stuff he, he so does that
0: win that that uh, confrontation. He Gareth, wins it, yeah oh wins. Gareth wins it. Yeah, yeah.
2: oh well that's that's less bad, but still it's a weird stereotype, and even even if you let the the awful nerd stereotype win, you're still using an awful nerd stereotype, oh, and it just seems a weird sort of case of biting the hand I don't the, know.
3: the nerd stereotypes there. Um, yeah. definitely there. I watched Revenge of the Nerds on the weekend, by the way. Oh, that is
2: one of the worst films ever.
3: I I you like differ.
2: It. You like it? Okay. Fair <laughs> <enough>. <laughs>
3: um,
2: Apparently, also, there's some critics who say that his uh, monologue, you were talking about the fact that he just winds on and on about everything... Uh, a lot of people would say, "Well, this seems to be a fairly deliberate attempt to be like Woody Allen, because at the start of the first episode, he's complaining. And you don't know if it's him or the character version of him. Much like at the start of Annie Hall, you don't know if it's Woody Allen or what's his name, Albie.
1: Al, his name Al, is. Albie
3: Mangles.
2: Albie yeah. Mangles. Yeah, I wanted to say Albie Mangles. I'm like, I'm sure that's not right. Um, the only other factory really that. But, but
1: but again, if that's like if if that's true, just to go back to hating on Marin. Yeah. Uh, if if that's true, again, he's imitating someone and doing a very poor job of it.
3: Well, you know, learn to walk before you can run. You know, don't imitate, you know, with the greatest before you can just make a simple sitcom that works with more characters, as you were. Thanks.
2: Uh, now, uh, onto the uh, the umpire decision review system, uh, sometimes called DRS or UDRS. So Urders. Uh, which i No u d r s yeah UDRS. No. Um it was officially launched on the twenty fourth of November two thousand and nine during uh, the first test that year between New Zealand and Pakistan oh um, so
1: so they did it during a test where no one was watching they them. did yes. uh,
2: they they introduced it to one day internationals later that uh, that year or perhaps early the next year i oh, know I think it was later that year, so it was late in two thousand and nine um the um there were there were three parts to it they no longer use the snickometer that 's right. It has been turned off, and it does. It's not just slowing down the footage and the sound. It also uses special directional microphones pointed in the right place to pick up the sound of the ball hitting the bat, just in case. Um,
3: they do the installed other thing installed by Gene Hackman in the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> what are you putting those in the pitch for? Oh, you know what it was. It was
2: it was Tony, Tony Greg. Greg. <laughs> Whenever he was sticking keys in the pitch, it was actually like little monitoring devices. Yeah. Um, I found it There's three names For the ball tracking technology That's the one that tracks The delivery of the ball To determine if it would have hit The um, wicket Or the stumps If someone had not hit it Uh, And uh, it's been called Hawkeye Eagle Eye And Virtual Eye So they just They really can't decide Which character From some other media They want to call it after Apparently Um, And the hotspot which is the infrared imaging that shows where on the bat the ball would hit, is said to have a success rate of 90 to 95%, which is pretty high, but who knows?
3: There was, an, uh, there was a decision where we were getting towards that 5% wrong in the last test. Yeah, there was yeah, one yeah, that was pretty get, still, was getting there. What's
1: wrong with just getting the man who's holding the jumpers to make a decision and just move on?
2: I like that. I also like um, the fact that you know originally when they brought in this sort of extra decision making, they just called it the third umpire, and only the umpires could ask for it, and they asked for it in cases where they weren't sure, mm. and they would do the little box symbol with their mm. hands, and then. It was great because they wouldn't show you on the screen what was happening. You just have this tense waiting until the light came on to say out or not out. And you're like, "Oh, which was going which was, that great, was for great in the stadium. That was that was fantastic. It just spent so much built up so much tension. It was exciting and it was like you know that it, this is a close call or we wouldn't even be looking at this technology. And also we're not looking at what they're doing. They're do, they we've got another um, umpire who's looking at the footage. It's not like technology deciding. It's somebody else. Using technology to make an umpire's decision And that really heightened the Yeah, the tension I I used to love it when they went to the third umpire But that's not what we have now Sounds sounds
1: more like opinion than fact I know,
2: but look The other thing is that it was previously mandatory To use the UDRS after it was first brought in But now um, both teams must agree to use it For it to be used in a match Um, But the ICC does say that They intend for it to be used And to be part of all events that they run
0: And there's a limit on the number of times they can use it Two Two in innings. Well, if, two, it's, if it's so per good, team, why, not, why not use it every time? Two That's per team per
3: innings. Because yeah. slows the game down too much. No, it's, <laughs> We're it's, talking
0: about a game that goes for five days. No, it's
3: also a tactical thing. Um, in all the sports that are using it now, they have a tactical thing where, say, in tennis, I think it might be three per set or two per innings.
1: Yeah, because there's a re- really a problem with cricket being uh, just not interesting enough or exciting enough. People who love a sport love a sport. You don't have to try to make it more exciting. It's
3: not going to make new people well, love it. Well, it's weird that you know some, some tactics have come from a TV construct. Mm.
2: Well, I mean, you know, that's the whole inven- reason Twenty Twenty exists is for television. It's like, hey, we can fit this in between like, <laughs> more ad breaks. Correct.
3: Right? Oh, hold on. Oh my God. Oh, don't get me started about
2: Twenty Twenty. Oh, <laughs> I think
1: this. Uh, I think <laughs> this episode is called "When Television Attacks." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is, is that, is that it, Ben? You've got, you've got more facts? Those, no, those are all the facts. Those are all the facts. It's a small facts episode. Thank you.
3: Thank you very much, Ben McKenzie.
2: Hey, um, box cutters.
1: Pork. Glenn Peters, this is your last box cutters.
3: Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite sad. I, I've really enjoyed this and you know, I, you know, oh well, things happen. You got to go on and do other stuff, but I'm going to miss coming in here. And talking to you fellows.
1: Look, I'm going to organise a little, uh, a, a little get together at uh, a, a diner or something yeah. uh, for uh, episode 350. So, love it if you could, uh, if you could com-
3: come to that. Um, but it's also I'm going to, I'm going to miss listening to it too because I'm a, you know, I'm a listener of it. Brett's, Brett, Brett's going to keep yeah, going. I'm gonna gonna keep just, going to, I'm going to listen it. to Brett. Don't, don't worry about that. But I also, am I'm, I'm going to, most of all, I'm going to. Just the team I'm going to miss listening to. And I've really enjoyed, for example, Josh and John interviewing people together. That They've got wonderful um, chemistry. And I'm going to miss that chemistry. It's John and I just won't be in the same room ever. Yeah. And mm. I'm going to miss, of all things, and our, we are in talks, John editing me to make me sound real smart. Yeah. I won't be able to do that same thing for you <laughs> I in know this that. episode. I'm oh, sorry. And I'm already angry and somewhat scared, so I'm going to miss <laughs> it. And also, I I was one of the lucky three, three of us in this room, uh, we went to Austin, and I have to thank all the listeners for getting behind us for that, because that was you know, truly one of the most fantastic weeks ever. And to be part of Box Cutters doing that, you know, proud, proud to be part of that.
1: Well I, I have to say I'm very happy to to have had you p- part of Boxcutters. It's uh it, it's brought opinion
3: and thought to the show that we would not otherwise have
1: and hilarity.
3: And um miss and anger for I'm not really quite sure about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and questionable anger. Questionable anger. Questionable
1: anger. Ben McKenzie. Yes. Uh if you were to talk about Doctor Who in front of other humans. Yes. Is that the sort of thing you would do, and where would you do it?
2: Well, it seems like an odd thing to do, but I guess if there was some sort of special event or occasion, maybe I would do it, say, like during National Science Week as part of a science-themed episode of the podcast Splendid Chaps. Oh,
1: interesting. Interesting. Mm. And where would you do such a thing?
2: At Bar Open at 317 Brunswick Street in Fitzroy on Sunday, August 11, starting at 5 p.m. You can find out all the details at splendidchaps.com. And I should also say we just had had our latest episode has come out in two parts because we were quite surprised uh, at how amazing it was. Um, So we've released part one, which is discussing the Seventh Doctor, and part two, which discusses religion in Doctor Who with the Reverend Dr. Avril Hannah-Jones of the Church of the Latter-day Geek, is about to come out. Well, it will be out by the time you can listen to this this week. That's exciting. And it's great. It's really good. So have a listen to that. She's amazing. Really good discussion with her. Uh,
1: The Nudge live events uh, are happening uh, again and the uh, 7th of August at uh, Loop Bar in Melbourne, in uh, Myer's Place Place in Melbourne. Uh, The 7th of August uh, is a Tuesday, I believe, and uh, we'll be speaking to uh, someone from Victorian Opera about how they designed their 2013 calendar and how they're designing their 2014 calendar and the decisions that went along with that. So um,
3: if you're in the ARIA, come along. Hey!
1: <laughs> That's why he's not coming back to the show, yeah, stuff, That's like that, stuff like that. Uh, if you go to Eventbrite and search for The Nudge, you can RSV. That brings us to the end of BoxCutters episode... What
0: it'll just be awkward when we bump into each other.
1: Here yeah, so are. so, oh, so uh, you still doing uh, box cutters,
0: Glenn? Uh, as I as I extended to the other guys last week, uh, anytime you want to come in and talk he's, about cricket or sports,
3: he's not going to feel free.
1: You know, he's not going to say that to me in episode three fifty. So <laughs> so don't let the t- heat eat your fat <laughs> ass on the way out.
3: Look, if I will not review another submarine drama again, I can tell you that. <laughs>
2: Is anyone ever going to make another submarine drama after the last time? I
3: hope not.
1: I hope so. I hope, I hope Wolfgang Peterson does. <laughs> it's my dad. That brings us to the end of episode 348. I want to say thanks to Glenn Peters for being such a great part of Box Cutters. Until next week,
0: my name is Josh Canal.
3: I'm Glenn. Goodbye, Peter's The Last Green Bottle.
0: I'm Ben McKenzie. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Boxcutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And
3: hey, let's be careful
1: out there. Boxcutters is produced by Josh Canal with Brett Cropley and John Richards and help from Courtney Hocking and Dave Lawson. Peter Wilson from Soup Giant is the man behind making sure you can actually download stuff. He's good that way. We'd like to thank 3RR, the greatest radio station in the world, for letting us use their studios to record this podcast. Find them on the web at r.org.au or 102.7 FM if you listen to radio the old-fashioned way. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can show your appreciation by leaving a positive review on iTunes, or maybe just telling some friends what they're missing out on. You can also donate actual cash money to us by using the donate button at the top of our website. Donating helps keep the show alive and makes us smile. Our website is boxcutters.net, and you can find all sorts of ways to contact us there. Glenn, who of all of the boxcutters are you going to miss most? Um... Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.